Welcome to our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast. This podcast series is sponsored by the Marquette Forum with support from Marquette University's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion and the Haggerty Museum of Art. It's an extension of a Marquette University mural project to highlight and uplift diverse women-identified individuals whose images and contributions have been systematically made invisible. The artist, Mauricio Ramirez, used photographs of BIPOC women associated with Marquette as inspiration for the images in the mural. The Our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast preserves the stories of female-identifying students, faculty, staff, and alumni who've used their gifts to make a meaningful impact on others, especially those who remain unsung heroes. I'm your host, Sheena Carey, from the Diedrich College of Communication. Joining us today is Luz Chaparro Hernandez from the former School of Education, a 1993 grad, if you don't mind me telling folks that, and currently bilingual teacher from Milwaukee Public Schools. Welcome, Luz. Thank you. What story would you like to share with us today? Well, I'd just like to share a little bit of my experiences at uh, Marquette University, what led me to that place and how it, it has molded me and has uh, shaped my profession, my professional life, and just my my life overall. How do you identify? I identify as Mexican woman who has been brought up here in the United States. So how did you get started on your journey, especially to Marquette? Okay. Well, um, it's, it's very interesting because I am originally from Mexico and I came to the United States when I was uh, six and a half years old with my parents. And I actually lived in Chicago for the first three years of our time here in the, in the United States. And then my father had to uh, make a decision. He, he was working at a factory where they told him you could keep your job with us, but you're going to have to move to Milwaukee because we're closing shop here or we can lay you off. And so, of course, he chose the first option. And that's how my family ended up in Milwaukee. And one of the first memories that I have, my family lived on the north side of Milwaukee, which is a little bit rare because uh, the majority of the Latino community to this day is on the near south side of Milwaukee. But we lived on the north side. And so we had to go uh, Mexican food shopping over on the south side. And to do that, we had to cross every week. We would you know, my mother does not drive, so my father would have to drive her and, you know, the rest of the family to the south side of Milwaukee to go to El Rey, which is still a, a dominant uh, Mexican grocery store here in the city. And so we had to cross the 16th Street Viaduct. And I saw the Marquette University sign on the uh, the rec center. And I remember thinking to myself as a 10-year-old, because that's how old I was by the time we got here to Milwaukee, I'm going to go there someday. And lo and behold, it happened. Yeah, my the, the dream of my little 10-year-old self eight years later came true. Excellent. So how would you say your identity has informed the choices that you've made in life? It has really informed the choices that I have made in life because while I I come from a rural background in Mexico, my father was a farmer. Uh, As I said, we lived in Chicago when we came and then here to Milwaukee. And so I very much uh, identify with the Latino community in urban setting. 
And so with that in mind, I, I did know uh, fairly early, I, I had a hunch by the time I got to Marquette that I wanted to be a teacher. There's experiences that I had had in the community, uh, volunteering at the United Community Center as a tutor, also at the Next Door Foundation as a tutor, and just all these uh, experiences that I had as a, as a teenager that led me to wanting to become a teacher, but not just a teacher overall, specifically a bilingual teacher for the Latino community that I came from. And I did have a scholarship opportunity offered to me at uh, UWO Claire, full tuition, full everything. And then I had, you know, I got accepted into Marquette's EOP program. So I really had to reflect, do I want to take this full scholarship, but go out in the middle of kind of a more rural area where there's not going to be that many Latinos? And and I had to kind of navigate this on my own because, uh, you know, my parents, they worked in factories and they made it very clear to me that they would not be able to help me financially. And, and I very much understood that. And so I had to really reflect and think about, you know, what I wanted to do with my life and who I wanted to serve. And 18, 19 years old, I made the decision that I, I want to serve the, the Latino community, whether it's uh, as an educator and my other option was as a social worker. And so I turned down the full scholarship at UW-Eau Claire and uh, went ahead and accepted the EOP offer. No regrets? Oh, no, none at all. It was, you know, thank God for my wise little 19-year-old self <laughs> knew what I, what I wanted. And yeah, no, I, no, no regrets whatsoever. I feel that I continue to serve the community that I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of. And um, as a bilingual, I'm a bilingual third grade teacher. I've taught uh, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And I, I see myself in every one of my students. And uh, I see my parents in the parents that I now serve. And I'm, uh, I do it with a lot of love and a lot of joy in my heart. Well, uh, I too am a proud EOP graduate, so I know that feeling that having that support um, has been really important. Now, when you were here as a student, we didn't have the mural that we have now, and you you said you've had a chance to see it. How has it resonated for you? I just was so touched, and I'm looking at an image of it right now, and I think it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I respect the work of uh, Mauricio Ramirez, the, the artist. I have seen his work throughout the city, and but this in particular just really touches my heart because I have history at Marquette University, and to see that women of color are being acknowledged. I have very close relationships with women that I that I went to Marquette with. My roommate, who's still my best friend to this day when I was at Marquette, she is Muslim, so I, I was very happy to see the, the image of the Muslim woman. And, and of course, you know, uh, just all of the, the representation there. I, I think it, it really embraces what, what Marquette is trying to strive to be in terms of uh, just really representing all of the, the students that, that they serve. Just extending that a little bit, what, what do you feel has been Marquette's impact on women of color? I think it, it it's pretty profound. I'm, in preparing for this interview, I was reflecting on all of, you know, a lot of the women that, that I, you know, befriended when, when I was at Marquette, a lot of them in EOP, some of them not. 
And they are out here making an impact in the community. I, I see them. You know, I, I keep in touch with um, local media in terms of, of uh, reading community newspapers online. And, and I subscribe to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So I'm very much in tune with my community here. And I, I'm very happy to say that I have seen some of these women climb up in their in their careers and, and make a significant impact in this community for those that have chosen to stay here. So you basically you see the the impact being um, just sort of the providing space for women to to develop in the ways that they yes, want to, to, to to go out and yes to develop to flourish to contribute to the continued growth of of the Milwaukee community especially for those that are women of color. What's been the university's impact on your sense of self worth? It really did a lot. I think that just the attitude with which I, I started Marquette, first of all, I was so grateful to be an EOP. Um, I was the first to graduate from college for my family, uh, and not only for my immediate family, but from my extended family. I have a, a relatively large extended family. My uh, father had uh, nine siblings. Uh, my mother a little bit smaller. She had three siblings. But nonetheless, you know, a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles. And to be the very first one from all of these people that I was fortunate enough to be born into, a very hardworking people, all of them, and to be the first one, that, that was an honor and, and, and something that I took very seriously. And so Marquette provided, so first of all, I was grateful, as I just mentioned, and I really wanted to be the best person. I wanted to develop to be the best person that I could possibly be. So I did get involved. I decided because I think it is, you know, very much a conscious decision to, to try to be a leader. And I, I made that decision early on. I, I wanted to, you know, not just pass through Marquette, but leave a, a little bit of a mark as much as I could in the four years that I was there. Actually, four and a half. I graduated in December of 1993. And so I got involved with campus ministry. I did, uh, I, I believe they still have this program called Midnight Run, where they would go and, and feed the homeless in front of the uh, Central Public Library. That was impactful. I also took uh, what's, I'm not sure if this is sold around, but Marquette Action Programs, where you would go to communities in need and serve. Yeah, we have service learning now. Yeah, oh, it's service learning. Okay, wonderful. And so I did that. I, I went to Texas, to Brownsville, Texas, with a, with a group of, of college students and, a, and an uh, adult mentor. To serve. Back then, this was the early 90s, there was a large refugee population in southeast uh, Texas, in, in the Brownsville area. So we went in and visited some of the refugee camps of Central Americans that were there that were fleeing wars in El Salvador and Nicaragua. And that was very impactful as well as the just the detention centers for the immigration service. And so a lot of uh, my uh, family had gone through that experience, being detained, trying to cross over to this country. So for me to see that firsthand and, and see how they were treated, it was very impactful. And so I did things of that nature as well as uh, that was my freshman year. Sophomore year, I actually <laughs> was stayed. was just your freshman year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. 
And then uh, sophomore year, I actually lived with Brother Booker Ash in the House of Peace for two weeks. So yeah, I decided to stay at home for that one. And again, that was very, very impactful because I was staying with these other three young ladies that were from, you know, northern Wisconsin or, you know, suburb of Chicago. And But this was my community. As I said, I grew up on the north side of Milwaukee. So I actually, you know, I, I was living in the area that the House of Peace serviced. I didn't live too far from um, the House of Peace. And so it was my perspective was a little bit different than that of, um, you know, the, the people I was sharing the experience with. And they were actually surprised because at the end of the our stay there, they dropped me off at my house and they're like, oh, Luce, this is where you live? I was like, yep. <laughs> this is where I live. <laughs> the community that we just got through, you know, service. So so for me, you know, that also helped to shape and mold me in terms of, you know, the needs of, of my community. And another thing that I that I also did that was very important to me and that Marquette definitely helped to shape me was in my leadership skills. I um when I got to Marquette freshman year, I saw that there was not a student organization that spoke to me, which was just a, a group of people, okay, that were of Latino descent, that were from the community, that were first generation for the most part, or maybe second generation, but still, you know, living in, in, in the community, whether that community was here in Milwaukee or in Chicago or in, in Texas or, or what have you. And so... I got together with uh, with another uh, group of, there were maybe three, four of us that helped start what uh, was called Raices, which means roots. And we wanted to pay homage to our Latino roots, to our the immigrant roots, and also low income, you know, because the majority of us were came, this was our background. And we wanted to uh, reach out to continue to reach out here to the community in Milwaukee, to the young people, to let them know we were here at this university and that they too could be here at Marquette University and they could have a voice and they could have a say in the continued shaping and leadership of, of the Latino community here in Milwaukee. And so we did that and it was a a great experience because it it really uh helped to shape just the the remaining years that I had here at at Marquette University. We would plan uh dances and and bring in for uh, Hispanic Heritage Month we brought in speakers and mariachis and I got to meet Edward James Olmos who we brought in after he played Jaime Escalante in Stand and Deliver. We brought Jaime Escalante who was uh, that great inspirational teacher in East LA um and who, you know, I was in the School of Education. And so for me, I was just in my glory, just meeting this great educator. And so Marquette gave me the opportunity to do that. And so these are some of the opportunities that, that Marquette gave to me that I was able to take advantage of and hone my leadership skills and just, um, you know, all of these opportunities now, I will say that along with that, you know, I, I also knew that Marquette had room to grow in terms of how it serviced its Latino population and its its 
students of color. And so this was, what, 32 years ago? Protests didn't happen too much in, in colleges back then. You know, yes, they happened in the 60s and the 70s, but in the, in the late 80s, not so much. Okay, but I was part of, uh, because I was a student leader, there were some instances that, that happened on campus that were um, disturbing in terms of racism. And so uh, the the black student organization and the Native American student organization, as well as Raices, we got together and, and we, we saw these injustices. And so we wanted to press the university to do more, to be better, to provide a, a, a more welcoming environment to those of us who were not part of the majority culture. And we actually uh, did, you know, uh, were able to get uh, one protest in particular that I remember there were, I would say, close to 100 of us outside of the uh, union protesting and just, you know, demanding that the university hear our voice. And then it was very disturbing because right as we were having this rally, there was this young man, and it was a young man because it was uh, it came out of McCormick, and he yelled out uh, something like, get out of here, you bunch of, and then the N-word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we all looked up, and we said, that is why we need change. Case in point. And I later did find out that that the young man was disciplined. The university did some investigating, found out who you know who he was, and I believe he was um, fined. But I, I don't I don't think he was thrown out of the university, which I think he should have been. But anyway, so one of our demands was we we wanted a mandatory for every incoming freshman one semester of a multicultural sensitivity class, and uh, unfortunately that did not come to fruition in terms of it being mandatory, but it, it was offered later on. I found out that it was an option. It, it was offered as an option, unfortunately not mandatory. And that's the thing about when you are a student, student leader specifically at a, at a university, you have limited time and you can only do so much because then, you know, your life moves on, you graduate, <laughs> you know, hopefully, <laughs> you know, and, and you move on. But so um, while I am very grateful for all of the wonderful opportunities at Marquette, provided for me and I was able to take advantage of in terms of my spirituality and my connection to my community and just given the opportunity to, to, to become a role model for, for those that were younger than I. It, it also has some work to do, you know, back then, and I'm sure it still has. Uh, it's gotten better from, from because I am involved in the um, Hispanic Alumni Association, and so I have been very active for the last three, almost four years now. So I know everything that the university is trying to do to better accommodate uh, students of color and specifically women of color, but definitely still has work to be done, and especially 32 years ago. So I'm, I'm glad that it has improved. I've, I've seen the improvement and, and the dedication from the administrators at the university. Would women of color have been inspirational for you? Well, I know this is probably a cliche now, but it wasn't. She always has been Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo, I just, I, I've always admired her tenacity, especially coming from an era, the era from which she came and being a Mexican woman, because I know as a Mexican woman, what was expected of us, what is expected of us. And she's complex because she embraced certain parts of what's expected, you know, being a wife. She wanted to be a mother. But then she totally like, 
blew away some of the other expectations in terms of expressing herself through her art. And yeah, that's so she's definitely one. And I've always made her part of uh, what I teach my students during Hispanic Heritage Month and otherwise, not just then, but especially then. I always make sure that I expose them to her and her life story and her art. And also, I would say Maya Angelou, uh, Harriet Tubman. I mean, just their their stories are, are phenomenal. And also another artist by the name of Judy Baca, who is out of Los Angeles, and she's the one that, that helped create the Los Angeles mural. And she was able to bring, you know, uh, young people from, because unfortunately, as it's well known that L.A. has a very strong gang culture. And so she was able to bring, through her art, people from different gangs, okay, which was unheard of, to work together on this mural, depicting the history of, the true history of the city of Los Angeles. So that, that to me, was uh, very awe-inspiring. Excellent, excellent. So the theme this year um, has been around um, the notion of self-care, um, wellness, healing. Um, how do you um, understand that experience or practice wellness um, in your own life for yourself so that you can continue to do the work that you do? It's, it's, it's very hard <laughs> because it's, you know, you, you have to f- make the time. And I struggle with this constantly, but, you know, you, you do have to have definitely self-care of you, like, as you stated, if you want to continue to give of yourself. And so for myself, I do practice mindfulness. I start off every morning just trying to calm my mind. And I actually practice it with my students. And I'm, I'm so glad that I actually was trained in some doing some mindfulness activities with my students because I do it with them and for them, but also f- with them, you know, for myself, you know, as I'm leading them in mindfulness activities. And I do try to exercise. I love to dance. So I do that for myself. I just dance around the house sometimes, <laughs> turn on some music and just dance. And also at the end of each day before I, I, go to bed, I reflect on my day and I try to think of things that I'm very grateful for for that day. And which is also, you know, part of part of mindfulness. I later I later found out, which I had been doing for, for years. Just really reflect on, you know, what, what I'm grateful for. And also the examine sort of ends the day that way too. Yes. Kind of looking back on what you were able to do and what you'd like to do um, for the next day. So I I do like that. Have women of color played any kind of a role in your self-care, in healing and wellness for you? You know what? Actually, my mother, she is not a woman of many words, but she, for for decades now, one of the things that she started doing for herself, and it's actually when I was at Marquette, and I don't know if it was maybe part of her healing processing, you know, because I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of four children. And so I, even though I was, you know, I only lived like five minutes away from Marquette University, I was not at home. I did live on campus. And I think that she, and probably some other things that were going on in her life, one of the things that she did to cope was just to, she started going to a prayer group every Wednesday. 
Okay, so we're going on almost 40 years now. She's been doing this for herself. Just no matter what happens in her life, whether whatever trials and tribulations her children were going through, whatever trials and tribulations she's going through in terms of like her own health. And my father um, passed away seven years ago so that uh, her going to this prayer group, just seeing her just be very faithful to it. And this is her time. This is time that she carved out for herself. So that has been an inspiration to me. My mother's example of find something that you love and, you know, that you do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Make space for that. Yes. I tell my students who love making lists of things that they need to do. I ask them, are you on that list? (laughs) What a wonderful question. (laughs) And they're like, Make certain that you're on that list of things that you address um, for that day, for that week, whatever. What impact do you hope to have on women of color? Well, I I, I hope to have set a good example of um, not that you can do it all 100% because there's always something that that gives, you know, um, a little bit. Because, um, for example, uh, while I'm sitting here doing this podcast, I'm not, you know, maybe expanding on a lesson that I need to teach today, okay? So just let them know that if you want to be a mother and a wife and do whatever it is that you have chosen to do with your career, you can do it. You can do it if you just, you know, as you stated before, just find time for yourself, to provide that self-care and, and just be, always be true to, to what it is that you want to do, to make the time to find your passions. And um, as for myself, I, I, I am a wife. I am a mother. I've had the privilege of, of being both in, in my life, something that I always, of course, always wanted wanted to do as well. But that also, uh, especially the mother role, that, that changes with time. I just found my youngest just turned 21 two days ago. And so, yeah, it's very interesting, the point in my life that I am at now, because when they were younger, I was, you know, very involved mother in their schooling and extracurriculars. And aside from trying to be the best teacher that I could be for my students and be involved in my church and in my community. But yeah, now now it's kind of like, okay, you know, they're out. So then what is it that I really want to do? As I've become an empty nester, I've gotten more involved in what I'm passionate about. And again, the self-care continues because in doing that, you do get, as well for me, you know, I've, I've gotten more involved, which means that I have commitments to organizations that I've chosen to give more of my time to. And so, and, and as you said, okay, so, okay, Luz, you're, you're, you're giving your time to this organization that you want to be a part of in this organization, and you're a leader in that organization, but what are you doing for yourself? So I think that's, that's very important. What are your hopes for the future, your own, Marquette, the community? Well, for the future, I, I, I hope to continue to be involved in Marquette. As I said, I am part of the um, Hispanic Alumni Association. And now I didn't used to think about retirement, but now, I, you know, that's in the near horizon. It's not something that's way off in the future. No, it's within the next, you know, 10 years or less. 
<laughs> so that's that's kind of that's kind of mind-boggling. But I've I've been thinking about it a little bit and what I might want to do once I do retire from the classroom, which I've I've loved. And so it's 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 exciting and and just continue to to give of myself. I'm I'm involved with the I'm actually the treasurer for the um, MTA, which is the the teachers union here in the, for public school educators in the city of Milwaukee. And uh, so I, I want to continue to do some work with that. And yeah, just um, keep exploring opportunities for, for me to, to be my best self. What would you like our community to know about you and your journey? I would like my community to know that I, I have never forgotten where I came from. The decisions that I made about how I want wanted to spend my time in my life has been, my community has been central to that, which is why I have stayed a bilingual educator for almost 30 years now. And when I say bilingual educator, I mean I don't just teach my students, but I, I get involved with the families. I'm very much in tune with the needs of my community. And so I just, you know, would want people to know that stay faithful to who you want to be. You know, always reflect on what kind of person do I want to be and and let that guide, you know, your, your decisions based on the answer that you give to yourself, you know, in terms of what kind of person you want to be. Thank you, Luz, for sharing your story. It's been fascinating. I've got so many more questions, but we only have so much time. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for well, joining us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I'm, I'm uh, very touched that you wanted to hear my story. Your story stands as a testament to the amazing stories in our community yet to be uncovered. Our roots say that we're sisters podcast and the mural project seek to make these stories visible. Again, thanks to our sponsor, the Marquette Forum, Marquette's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and the Haggerty Museum of Art for your support for this project.